Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today with a very special guest to discuss all things Fulham. We'll be covering the Fulham versus Crystal Palace game and we're also going to be covering uh, Fulham women's playing Millwall Lionesses. Um, firstly, I'll introduce our special guest. Uh, joining us today, all the way from England, uh, we have Fulham women's player Tia Foreman. How are we, Tia? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's good to be on. Uh, finally collaborating with you guys, so I'm excited, excited to see what's going to happen. Definitely. Uh, no, it's been a, a very long road, but we're finally here. We finally got uh, got given permission to actually talk to you. So uh, very pleased to get you on the podcast, and uh, hopefully it's the first of many appearances as well. Um, and as always, we've got Sammy. How are we, Sammy? Do you know what? I'm actually dehydrated today. I'm dehydrated oh, today. I'm prepared for this. Um, the first time in a while, I'm feeling good. I'm tired as ever because you know what? It's all about consistency. And yeah, ready to get into it. Very happy to have Tia here. Good stuff, Sam. And as I saw Dad just take a sip of water there, I'll check it on you. How are we, Dad? I'm just trying to work out how, how can you be prepared but dehydrated? I'm not dehydrated today. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Good. good. I'm well, thanks. I'm really well, thanks. Welcome, Tia. Good to, good to have you here. Thank you. Good stuff. So we'll crack straight into it. Um, Tia, like I said, it's really great to have you joining us. It's been a bit of a long road. We've been chatting for, um, feels like it's probably close to a couple of months now of just going back and forth. And um, you've been kind of instrumental in helping us get uh, a bit more access to the Fulham women's team. A, a big thanks as well to um, Emily at uh, at Fulham for helping us out as well, but um, it's it's really great to be able to give this platform to the Fulham women's team and um, you know dive a little bit deeper into a, another part of the club that uh, maybe we a lot of Fulham fans don't see as much of and don't get as much coverage of. So, um, firstly, just a huge thank you to you for all your all your help in getting that actually sorted. So, thank you so much. Um, I was wondering if you can give us a bit of a background on yourself and you know your footballing background and how you found yourself at Fulham yeah sure so um I mean I started playing football when I was probably around nine ten which I think is probably uh a little bit later than some people um I was just playing at school uh luckily my primary school had a, a girls team at the time which I know is quite lucky some people didn't have that opportunity at school but I did um so I played at school and then sort of going forward I was uh, put forward to go to a club so I went to Sutton United uh, spent one year at Sutton United and my whole team moved to Carshorton so just local teams where I live um, I was at Carshorton Athletic for I think under 10s to under 15s um, at that point I then went to Brighton uh, so I was at Brighton Hope Albion under 17s uh, from then I went to Crystal Palace Women so I was at Crystal Palace uh from 2016 to 2018 then I went to uni so I was just playing at uni um and it was lockdown COVID <laughs> very much <laughs> yeah. those times so obviously no one was really playing and then I graduated from uni came back home to London and then uh so it was like well I want to get back playing football again properly so um I joined Fulham which is up the road from me um it looked like a really good setup at the time and um yeah I was just wanted to get back playing so John Fellum and have not really looked back since, really. So that was um, what year was that? Twenty twenty one, I think you joined Fulham. Is that right? Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, three years, three years ago. So twenty twenty one. 
um, yeah, that summer I came, so came graduated from uni, came back home and joined Fulham. So there... your your last, sorry, Sammy, your your last three years has there been a, a fair bit of change? It seems like this year, especially, a lot of new players coming into the club, and yeah. I, I know that um, there's been a lot of reinvestment in the women's team in the last few years as well. How has the club changed over the last three years for for the women? Yeah, I'd say I think when I joined Fulham, they were already in a good place. Like they were training at the training ground, um, had good facilities. Um, and everything else that comes along with that. So they were already in a good place and obviously looking forward to getting, wanting to get promoted and uh, just climb as high as they can, really. Um, but obviously, like I said, over the last two, three years that I've been there, there's obviously definitely been some changes, um, especially, I think, most notably over the last year or so, uh, with England women doing so well as well. I think that's really pushed not only Fulham, our club, but a lot of the clubs around us to sort of step up their investment in women's football. So I think for us, like you said, we've had a lot of new players join, um, especially team uh, players and teams coming down from um, higher leagues, um, which has just elevated our league. And I guess it has a knock-on effect on everyone, really. Um, so, yeah, it's, like you said, a lot of new players this year as well, which is good. Um, and just seeing that greater investment from Fulham is also really good. Yeah, Tia, my, my question was um what what um attracted you to Fulham in the first place? I know I know it's the obvious questions, but it's still like mm. I still I still like hearing it. Like how is how has it pitched you to like come here? Like what was what was the spark that made you think this this is gonna be the place for me? I think well when I when we're going back through my like footballing journey when I was younger, I did play against Fulham like back in the day. I must have been about like nine or ten and yeah that game was at the training ground. So I always sort of knew Fulham were like a, a close team to me in terms of location, but always like on that professional level of they were training on the training ground. I know that then got cut, but then it's obviously now been reinstated, which is good. But I think, yeah, they've just always had like this professional air about them. Obviously it's a local team, London team. And yeah, I think again, facilities and the coaching staff and everything that comes with, the club rather than just the team I think really drew me in yeah so like would you would you say like your other clubs um they didn't necessarily give you as much access and Fulham was really like pushing facilities and really trying to um establish something important that the other clubs weren't necessarily or is that just me just creating narratives that don't exist uh yeah no I I'm sorry saying um I, I, I know that obviously Fulham have, are, I mean, are pushing for us as well. Like last year we played at Craven Cottage, which is obviously an amazing experience for us. Yeah. And I think that's just the, the backing from them is continuing to grow. But um, I think the other clubs I was at, there was always that investment in the women's team um, from the club, but maybe not as, not as much as it is now. But then I think that also goes with the time, like right now, these clubs are probably also at that level. Well, they definitely mm. are. Brighton are in the Super League now. Palace are in the Championship. They obviously have a massive backing from their, their clubs. But so I think looking at it in terms of like, yes, Fulham are backing us a lot now. And we, again, shared facilities. But I think it comes because it's 2023. And I think maybe, mm. say when I was at these clubs, 2016, 2018, I'm not sure how far we could, I don't really know much about Fulham back in the day. But um, yeah. yeah. I think, like I said, success I mean, of the year women's Euros, stuff like that, is, is always going to grow. So, 
yeah cool. it, it feels like an exciting time doesn't it um just to be around women's football and i mean i think we we, we certainly recognize that and probably part of why we're keen to be involved but also that there's there's a lot of upside there's a long way to go um but at least you're part of a a big unit that can actually carry there it's a big club already yeah exactly like the the foundation was always there it's just continuing to grow year on year which is really great to see sure sure dad um I, i know you had a question um about um, maybe who Tia supports off the field um, whilst playing for a certain team on the field. Do do we need it? Do we need to do that? I feel like that's the, like we, we don't. To, like she is our guest. We've made allowances. <laughs> We've let her on here. It feels very Game of Thrones to like throw our throw. It to the <laughs> we, have, we have to surely. Surely, I, actually, uh, just before we came live, I think Tia said she didn't support anyone. She's just. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I um, said your... I support them. <laughs> Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Pure neutral, smart, smart. <laughs> no, but g- genuinely though, it, it it was something we were sort of discussing when we we looked because I know there's quite a few girls on the team who do support Chelsea, um, <laughs> and like based to being like quite big support. I know like Georgia, for example, is quite a big Chelsea supporter because I see a lot of it on her on her Twitter timeline. And um, <laughs> what's it like playing for Fulham and supporting Chelsea? Do you, cop anything in the in the dressing room for it no no luckily not I think well yeah like you said quite a few of the girls do support Chelsea um we're probably not the most vocal anymore <laughs> considering the uh the form Chelsea are in over the last couple of years so hey. I think sort of um keep ourselves to ourselves have the jokes rolling in obviously um a couple of the girls support Fulham so it's always um good rivalry between us in the games I know the Chelsea games coming up soon um it was the next monday so yeah mm. but i think as as um players of fulham we always want fulham to do well like why would we not if that makes sense um yes sure. if they're playing our own team i think most of us would ho- hope out hold out for a draw <laughs> just so that everyone's happy but i mean if fulham win then well, if and when fulham win especially against chelsea I'm, I'm, we're all happy anyway so yeah but yeah chelsea yeah is my team. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to ask, um, just so we can just know a little bit more about you and just so like the listeners can know a little bit more about you. Um, was there a specific reason why you support Chelsea? And you can, you can be as candidates you want here, but do you have any specific heroes? Like were you drawn to some like specific players or did you just feel inclined to support a terrible club? <laughs> um, well, I think it was sort of like, I think a couple of my cousins support Chelsea. So when I was younger, always had that influence from them again it's like a local london team i know for them as well <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. you yeah. don't speak and to those cousins anymore though so it's <laughs> <laughs> no no i know they should have put me on Fulham. um <laughs> and then yeah i think when i was younger drogba massive massive player for me i think he was always my favorite probably still is um alongside hazard as well i'd put hazard up oh. there yeah i know um hard to argue and, <laughs> that's like, and then I think, uh, well, William as well, which is amazing that he's now at Fulham. Yeah. And it's great to see, but he was also like set piece taker. He's obviously someone I always watch as well. So some good players. Have you have you got to meet William yet? Is that has that been an interaction or is it just kind of like it's it's too much? To... <laughs> no, I wish I wish I could uh, meet William, but um, he no, seems really friendly. 
yeah I, we just never really get to see them like I don't think we're ever at the training ground at the same time so never really get to interact with them but it would be a cool opportunity so Tia walk us through um I guess your playing style what position you play and um you know what kind of player maybe you model yourself on as well yeah um so I play left back left wing back um at Fulham I think over the last couple of years I've probably played like quite a few positions I know last year I played quite a few games at centre back as well um so just sort of filling in defensively but I do like to attack as well so I'd like I've I'd describe myself as a player who likes to get on the ball um go forward as much as I can as a wing back hopefully contribute with a few goals as well um and I think I'd just sort of bring composure so just um relaxed on the ball like to keep possession and combine with whoever I'm playing next to where do you think that composure comes from is that like just just a confidence that you know that you're better or is that something that you've like worked on for like a long time or where do you, where do you think that comes from? I think it just comes over time. I think it's just, it comes down to experience. Like if you, if you know what you're going to do before you get the ball, then you should yeah. be composed to know what you're going to do when you have the mm. ball. So I just sort of try and try and use that mentality. Like I know what I'm going to do, so I don't need to rush things. And yeah, hopefully that I can continue mm. that going forward. Do you find that frustrating as well when you're like sidelined um, uh, and then you just know exactly how you should be managing yeah. that moment? And then it, does it, does it, does it hurt or do you have like faith and faith in the girls? No, obviously. Yeah. Obviously I have faith in the girls. Like if yeah. I felt sidelined for whatever reason and the, then the girls on the pitch, I know they can do the, the to do the job that's needed. So obviously I have faith, but yeah, I think a lot of us we're not we're not great watchers. <laughs> everyone wants to be involved. Everyone everyone loves them, motivating everyone. Um, so whether that be on the pitch, off the pitch, I think that's what's special about this team. Is like it's not just the eleven players on the pitch. It's it's all sixteen, all twenty five, the whole squad, the whole management team as well. Like everyone has faith in every single person. So no matter no matter who's on the pitch, we know we can get the job done. Nice. A question, um, you know, one of the big things that we uh, as a fan base for the men's team talk about a lot is um, the depth that we're trying to build uh, or Marcus Silva's trying to build. I'm not personally trying to build it. I just want it. But um, how does that work for you guys? So do you feel like uh, at your level that you've actually got uh, good depth and cover all around, all around the ground? Yeah, I'd say so, especially this year as well. I think we do have really good, good squad depth. I think, spoilers, but I know we're going to go go on to this and touch upon it later, but I think over the last four games, every person, well, not every person, but people who have come off the bench have really contributed to the game. Um, I think in the last four games, someone who's come off the bench has scored as well, which I think shows that we do have really squad depth. We don't just rely on like a, f a couple strikers or the starting 11 we know that whoever comes onto the pitch can also do the same job if not improve on what's already happened in the previous minutes of the game so I think that's sure. where we can use our strengths this year in our squad depth. Sure nice. Actually I've got a question it, it kind of jumping sideways or maybe even a little bit backwards but one thing I am interested in is what does a typical week look like in terms of you know your training schedules 
and how often you get together and, you know, how many gym sessions might be involved and uh, things like that. What does it look like? So we train on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, so that would be an hour, like gym, fitness, S&C, and then like an hour of football. Um, so that would be Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then obviously play games on Sundays. And then this year we sometimes can meet on a Wednesday as well if needed. Um, I think I've done one session so far with this year, which is working on like specific units. So we did like attacking, for example. Um, so that'd be like, yeah, an hour of gym, hour of football again. But yeah, mainly Tuesday, Thursday training, Sunday football, get matches. And do, and do you and the other girls put in a lot of time you know, separately on the road or in the gym outside of um, squad training? Yeah, I think I think that really varies, <laughs> to be honest. Like, a lot, Come on, all... give, give, us, give, us a few, give us a few secrets. <laughs> <laughs> um, well... We have people from who are still at school. We have people who work nine to yeah. five. We have people who do all sorts of jobs. So I think, like I said, it really comes down to the individual. Um, whether people have time to fit it in between their work um, and whether people don't. Um, again, like I said, it's individual, but yeah. people do put, on, put in a lot of work and a lot of effort um, during the week, whether that be at Fulham or away from Fulham as well. So, yeah, we do work hard. Yeah, can I? And I guess, sorry, and um, I guess I'm just trying to gauge the, you know, the level of commitment, because I, I, I know it's sort of semi-pro, um, and that many many girls have got jobs or other other things happening pretty full time in their life, and and there's always that interesting crossover when you are semi-pro, but you're playing in a a, a big club that's got a lot of ambition. There's not that much difference in terms of the actual hours that you're required to commit to. And it can become pretty pretty difficult, and that's across all sports, really. Yeah, I'll I'll just cut you there, Dad, and just throw to some of the questions coming in on the live stream as well. One here from Colm, who's a, a regular listener. Have you got a job, Tia? And uh, <laughs> who's switching that over? And if so, oh, how sorry. good are they with you needing time off, etc.? Yeah, so I do have a job. Um, I'm like a nine to five job in London. Uh, I think everyone has a separate job alongside football unless uh, we have a couple of girls who are still at school people at uni um, but again that's still taken time out of, of football um the club um, and our team are really good at if you need time off then you can take some time off like we know everyone needs has such a big commitment to football um like I said whether that be going to the gym on your on your own if you can't make training or even if people do it alongside training as well so if we need time off, then I think everyone can acknowledge that it doesn't mean you're putting in any less work than anyone else. If you need time off, mm. then that's needed. And I think we're very good at that. Do you, do you find as well, because I, I, I think it's actually really incredible that like you guys are putting in the effort that you guys are putting in as well as working um, jobs on top of that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I assumed that um, the workload would be so much that, it would restrict a lot of you guys to work part-time. So to hear that you have a full-time job and you're putting in the hours is incredibly impressive to me. But do you find that as a result of that, um, just with um, economic state and just with just the sheer resilience it requires to live in like a city like London, do you find that it um, burns um, players out uh, or not necessarily? Or like how, how, how is that experience? Because, yeah, I, I would not be able to do that. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a tough one because I think 
with everyone's just so used to it if that makes sense like yeah no you know, only in the last couple of years has the, the women's game the super league really taken off and not it's not so much super league but the championship as well like only a couple of years ago half of the t- the players in the championship had a full-time job alongside playing professionally really um mm. which i know now is changing um and then again hopefully it will filter down through the leagues but it is I guess, like you said, in an economic <laughs> situation like we're in, we don't, we can't really afford to not have a job at the same time as playing football. But I think it just, it just, it's just become the norm. Like we all know that everyone's going to be tired after a long day's work or a long day at school. Um, but I think we just, everyone's so used to it now that we know that we can just get together, have a good time at training, and then work hard and we'll hopefully see the results. No, it's such a serious commitment that you guys do. And it's just, it's so nice to hear that, like, um, the commitment to the club isn't actually a burden. And it's something that is clearly, I mean, it's reflective in like your recent performances because, like, you girls seem to be like really, really killing it. And, um, as a, like, it's, it's just so nice to hear that Fulham is a relief for you guys as opposed to just another thing. I mean, obviously, just being a part of the team is, it sounds like such like a great thing to be a part of and just to play sport professionally, even if it's semi-professionally going on to have great ambition. Do you find that um, the ambition to get to like the Premier League is really evident in the squad at the moment? Like, is there a real sense that we're working towards something and it's realistic? Yeah, I think we always have that in the back of our mind, like to keep working hard and hopefully we can work our way up up the table and through the leagues as well in the coming years there was always always that in the back of our minds but I think this year we've just we're just going to take one game at a time um mm, of and then we, we finished third twice in the last the last two years um and I think we were probably erring on the side of wanting to be promoted um because who who doesn't really um yeah. but I think this year especially we just we just want to take one game at a time as long as we keep winning our games and doing things that we want and know we should be doing hopefully that will just come with it rather than it being like the expectation and then just yeah it, it'd be coming too much if we lose points or something so yeah one game at a time i think this year and i, I am i am going to pass it on to my other family members at some point but um i, I just i just wanted um you sure. to like articulate stop it uh i just wanted you to articulate like how important um the support that um you're you're getting at the moment is really contributing to that success because it is it really is important for like all of our listeners and everybody in the uk who can um get to a game to know like what it means to like, you guys and to get the support to get that support and yeah, it's, it's so nice, especially like, well, coming off, coming out of yesterday, um, there were so many people there watching, um, lo- loads of kids as well, which is really nice to see, not not just girls, but like young boys coming to watch us, yeah. shouting people's names, like really supporting us. We Like we do hear it and it, it is great to see, um, especially like that family environment, like we said, but people who, we have people who come all the time and we have people who are new, but it's just so great to see that we're, we're building this fan base and the support goes a long way. Like we, we know and we can see, we can hear from the pitch how much people are willing us on the sidelines. So yeah, it's, it's so great to see. Um, and hopefully we can just keep building that fan base. And yeah. Keep, keep working hard. Right. We're going to put you on mute now, Sammy. Um, 
a question here from Steve Reynolds. How important would it be for the team to play more games at Craven Cottage? I know you um, touched on it before that you, last season you played the game. I think there were 3,500 people there for that game as well. Um, mm. How great would it be to get a couple more of those and maybe inside secret, but are there any more in the pipeline for this season? Yeah, I think it was probably one of the best games last year for everyone uh, at the club at the time. That game at Craven Cottage was really just, it was something else. Um, it was the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of, like I said, three, three, I think three and a half thousand, just under that. Um, and probably the biggest crowd a lot of the girls have played um, in front of as well. And to have that support, like I said, touching on support, just seeing that and just hearing the noise was just amazing. You know, when you walk out the tunnel and you hear everyone cheering, it was just formidable. It was nothing that I've ever played in front of before. So that was really cool. Um, and like I said, yeah, Craven Cottage, the whole day was just such a good experience. Then we all we all want to play at Craven Cottage as much as we can. Um, and hopefully, I think there's, yeah, hopefully we can make it like an annual event, uh, if not, more than once a year would be great as well. But I know the like logistics, things like that, there's a lot to sort out. But, you know, I think the Craven Cottage game was just, I know the result didn't go away and it was still one of the best days. So if we can replicate that again this year, then it, yeah, it'll be great. Well, a comment from Ash here as well, who's um, at FFC and me. Uh, the game at the college was so important for younger fans. My daughter's fascinated by the women's team now because of the game last year. So like you say, it's it's just giving the women a bit more of a platform um, to be seen by more people as well, because um, I think it would be great to see that turn into an annual tradition to get the women playing a big game at Craven Cottage and really push to get, you know, three, 4,000 people down there every single time and keep those crowds increasing as well. Um, because like you say, someone goes down and, and like Ash says here in his comment as well, it's, it just gets more people involved in the game and, and people see, the women's part of the club as well, which maybe doesn't get the same um, same amount of, uh, you know, the the clout that we see online with, with Fulham, um, the, the main account having almost a million followers and the women's account, you know, still struggling and, and trying to grow. We, we just want to see more people being able to actually follow the women's team. And so having that game at the cottage is, is just so important. And I think it's a, a great initiative that they went with last year and I hope they do it again. Um, another question from Colm here as well. What's the one thing in the women's game that you'd like to see changed or improved? Oh, tough one. One thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's a hard Seven one. figure salaries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I, oh, I hopefully, I think if they increased the number of teams in each league, then I think it would grow the game massively in England in terms of like, there's only one team that gets promoted out of the Premier League, I think into mm. the championship. There's only one team that gets promoted out of our league into the league above uh, tier four. So I think if they yeah. change that to have two or three teams promoted um, and relegated mm. in each league, I think we'd see a lot more movement in teams. I think we'd see like clubs take like work, work their way up a lot quicker than what they do now. Um, and I think that would change the game massively. Um, it also allow more players um, to play professionally, to play semi-professionally. And I think, yeah, I think that would be a good change because there's, what, 20 teams in the Premier League, but then in the Super League, there's half 
<laughs> and the same again with the championship. Yeah. So I, I think, think that's a good observation. Yeah, I think just more movement between the leagues so that so you could win all your games apart from one. Um, and if, if it comes down to goal difference and you don't get promoted, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a very long yeah. season to then only one team to be promoted and not be mm. rewarded for how hard you've worked in the season. So I think my one change would be having more teams in higher leagues and then um, more teams being promoted and relegated. Good answer. Yeah, I, it's it definitely it's one of those things when we first started doing a bit of research into the women's team, seeing that there was just that one automatic promotion spot and just it just makes it very hard to get out of the league in the first place. And like you said, you can have a superb season and you know, we finished third two times in a row now, have these great seasons, but it's hard to maintain the same squad if you're not getting promoted because obviously people are wanting to push push on and in you know they'll be looking for clubs in those higher leagues at some point and if you're sort of hamstrung by only have that one spot for promotion it really makes it hard to grow and you know the team this year have signed a lot of new players from higher leagues I noted it's you know one even two leagues above us that we're signing players from which is great for the club but how do you hold on to those players? if you don't get promoted this year, like you obviously trying to build something for the future, but with just that one automatic promotion spot does make it quite hard. Yeah, exactly. And then I know uh, like a couple for ages, a couple of years ago, the North and South Premier League, if you win that, you had to have a playoff to go into the championship. So you could have won the league and still not been promoted. Um, I think they are now changing it this year or looking to change it in the future, but, yeah, I think that's just massive. Like, how can you win a league and not be promoted? It's just beyond mm. me. Yeah, that's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Look, let's let's crack into the game now from Sunday. Um, so, obviously, a really great result, a three-two victory, and a come from behind victory. Now, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see the highlights from the game yet. So, Tia, you are our eyes and ears from the game. Can you walk us through how everything went down and um, and what a great comeback victory we had? Yeah, so I think going into the game, we knew from previous seasons that Millwall were going to be a tough opposition. Um, we knew that we were going to be physical. We knew that we were going to have to like play our A game um, to come out with the result. Um, and then, unfortunately, we went 1-0 down. Um, as you can see, um, the Millwall goal came from across on a header, um, and that's how they scored their first goal. Um, so, yeah, going into half-time 1-0 down was, was tough. I think we all knew that we were sort of controlling the game in terms of possession-wise. We were creating chances, we just weren't converting them. So we all knew that we all had the belief that if we just go extra hard <laughs> in the second half and just put away our chances, keep doing what we were doing, just maybe tidy up a little bit because we know that we probably weren't playing the best football in terms of like possession-wise that we normally do but we still had control. So we just knew if we could apply that in the second half, um, we could turn the game around, which is what we ended up doing. Um, Rach came off um, the bench in the first half and then managed to score in the second half. That's from a corner. So yeah, Maddie, Maddie put the corner in and Rach scored. Um, and then very quick succession, two goals, which is a good turnaround. I think we were definitely dominating when we came out of the first half, uh, came out, sorry, for the second half that's when you could see like the switch that we were creating a lot of more chances. Um, we would put things right that we weren't doing in the first half. 
um, and then Meg scored. Um, and then I think that just completely turned the game around, that we could then relax. We knew we were 2-1 up and we were just searching for that third goal to sort of seal the deal, basically, um, which ED managed to do, came on and scored and sort of set up the game. I know it was disappointing to concede um, the goal to them late, late on in the game, but I think by that point, we sort of had wrapped up the game. We just had to stay in it from then on, which we managed to do. So I think, yeah, although it wasn't the, the prettiest football that we normally play, we still had control, still created chances and managed to still win the game. So Tim, it... we put it down to Steve's uh, half-time team talk. Is he taking uh, all yeah. the credit for that? <laughs> no, not not all the credit. I, yeah, I can give him some, but I think everyone <laughs> knew like we weren't playing the best football. But if we just kept applying ourselves, just tidy things up here and there between the units, we knew we were creating chances. Like I said, we just had to put them in the back of the net, and that's what we ended up doing. So I think like everyone knew what we had to do. Yes, yeah, Steve reinforced our halftime, sure, but um, yeah, we just stuck to the game plan and ended up being able to turn it around. Can I ask, um, obviously, it, it's highly dependent on game situations. and um, um, But in, in general, are there, are there a couple of key players who you and the team would look to to turn things around if you're sort of backs against the wall? Is there someone in midfield or, you know, one of the central defenders that would take a game by the scruff of the neck? And that you know you can generally rely on to turn things around. Is is there that kind of dynamic in there at all? Go I on, you can, you can you can you can you can name names. <laughs> no, name yourself name if you want as well. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think like I said before, this is this is sort of the belief that we've got within the team that it's not just the eleven on the pitch who start the game. We have good squad depth, whether that be people in the sixteen names, people on the bench, and people in the squad altogether. I think that's why we've been success- so successful so far. Like you can see Rach scored and Edis both scored on Sunday, but they were both subs to begin with. Um, so there's not like one person that we can turn to to change the game around. We know that we have to rely on every single person every week to turn the game around. And I think that's why we are successful and we were successful doing that. I think sometimes when you rely on one or two players, it can just if it's obvious you can then just mark them out the game which I think is what we sometimes do to opposition if we know they've got one or two threats if we just mark them out the game then we know that when we have possession we can just play our game and hopefully come out on top whereas I think that's why we've been successful this year we just we don't have one or two people that we can rely on we have everyone to rely on and I think everyone believes that my, my my question is, um, uh, especially if you're going 1-0 down at halftime, how do you um, reiterate to the team that the system works and all you got to do is play the system? Because clearly you were rewarded by the system. It wasn't necessarily the players, even though the players were acting within that system. But how, how do you remind the guys to keep focus, keep relaxed, and just kind of do what we've always do in that moment? Like, how do you... How do, how do you get that in? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. I think it's definitely something that comes over time in terms of like trusting the process. Like I said, we were creating chances in the first half. So it was mm-hmm. easy to say, keep doing what you're doing. Just need to now put the ball in the back of the net. But I think sometimes if, if we weren't creating the chances, but we were still saying, just keep doing what we were doing. Sometimes it's hard to see the belief, but 
we just we need to do it like if we go against our game plan then what's the point in having the game plan really um, so yeah i think previously as well in other games we've seen that even if we go goal down or if we go go up if we just keep following the process we will get the result and i think that's what it was shown um, on sunday do you, have, you rate yourself sorry sam um how would you rate yourselves as a unit in terms of sort of physical fitness because obviously that can play a part as well if it's a tight game and yeah. things aren't quite happening for you but if you if you know you've done the preparation and you know you're 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 fit, you're going to outrun the opposition, and as the game gets stretched, you're going to have more time on the ball and hopefully run away with it. Do you have that? Is there that sense? Do you think in in the team? Yeah, I think we know we're probably one of the fittest teams in the league, if not one of like up there, because we do put in a lot of work and we know that. Maybe other teams don't have the facilities to do that or don't have the time to do that. Um, so I definitely say, like, we definitely know that we can just keep going until the end. I think actually in the in the first game of the season, we scored in the last minute, I think. Um, so we know that we can turn games around at the end. If we just, again, we're, we're a possession-based team as well. So if we just keep the ball, keep moving the opposition, they will tire and then we can bring on sure. fresh legs if needed. Because like I said, we don't have one person to rely on. If they get tired, then we can't do much. We have people that can come on and score, change games. So I think, yeah, we know that. Well, we can I think um, was it uh, Mia who came on, Mia Adaway, who came on last week and scored two and nearly um, third? Yeah, so Mia came on last week, got one goal and assisted one. Um, mm. The week before, Edie came on and scored I came on and scored and a week before that Lily came on and scored. So I think we, yeah. and then yesterday, Rach and Edie both came off the bench and scored. So we know like we, we've got good potential across every unit on the pitch. So we know that we can just trust in people that we have. Tia, I know, I know you said that um, uh, you, you, you trust entirely in the full team and that's, that's clearly evident, but is there one player that you're constantly low key, like a little bit like looking for just because you know that they, they, they see you and you see them and it's just kind of a bit of like a tele- telepathic thing. I know you're going to throw a whole bunch of people under the bus because they probably think that they have that relationship with you, but is there anyone in particular <laughs> that you're just constantly locked in with and you're just like just low-key trying to find or is it just everybody? You can, you can say it. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. I'd say like playing wing back, I guess you'd always be looking for the strikers, but we've got quite a few new strikers this year. So mm. like we're still... We're not perfect. Like we're still building these, mm. these like um, patterns of play and people that we like. You said people that I know they're going to run there, so I'm just going to play there before I even know they're there. We're still mm. building that, and I think that's the beauty of it. Like we we know we can still improve so much more, and just excited to see where that goes. But yeah, I would say for now, like it could be any of the front three rotating that if I play the ball down the line, I know they're going to be there. So I think that's what's great about it. That's a very diplomatic answer. You've done very well there, Tia. <laughs> um, Tia, uh, we, uh, one of the things we've said is that it's it's tough to analyse these games properly off the back of sort of one-minute highlight packages that get posted up on the Fulham website. Um, you you mentioned before that the player of the match was um, Ella Tagliavini. Um, can you walk us through how she played and, and why she was almost unanimously voted player of the match after the game? Yeah, I think... Ella just put in a solid performance. I think she always does. Um, 
solid at the back in terms of defending. I guess their their striker never really had many chances. And I think that came from us preventing them to get up the pitch. So I think Ella did a great job in um, keeping her keeping her striker away from the ball or winning it back really quickly from her attacker. And then on the ball, I think Ella just brings that like, composure. I think we all we all sort of voted and said that Ella was really calm and composed on the ball, um, especially when we went two or one up, just sort of slowing the tempo down when it was needed to take the the fire out of the game um, was really was really great to see. And then just finding pox of space to play the ball forward into our strikers or into the wing back. Yeah, I think Ella just did a really good job overall. That's great. No, thank you for giving us an insight there. Now I'll run through a couple other slides, just looking at your recent form. So we touched on it before how, how great the recent form's been and um they've been some great results. Six goals scored against Ellsford, four against Ebsfleet, four against Salt Dean, three against Millwall. Now you guys are just putting the goals away, but we hoping for that clean sheet coming up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that's definitely something on our radar. Um, we always go into the game hoping that we can keep a clean sheet and score as many goals as we can. And I think we're starting to see that we can score multiple goals in, in the game, um, no matter who the opposition are. So I think, yeah, next to come is that clean sheet, which we're always searching for. And um, having a look, talking of the goal scorers as well, uh, our top goal scorers list so far, Georgia sitting on top after her two goals last week. Sophie scored two goals a week before, so she's sitting with three. And yourself at left back, um, sitting third on the on the top goal scorer chart. Is that something we uh, expect to see at the start of the season, or um, finding get it, finding the net luckily this year? Yeah, I mean, I always want to score goals, even though I play left back. I think everyone knows that I like to score goals, um, but I think. Yeah, I, I'm going to try <laughs> and see see how many goals I can get in this year. But um, it's just so great to see that we have, like I said, so many different goal scorers as well. I think if you look at other teams, they probably have two or three two or three players scoring most of their goals. But it's just so great to see. Like like I said, I play wing back. Meg plays wing back. Maddie plays wing back. We've got midfielders in there. We've got our stri- all our strikers in there as well. But it's just so great to see that not only our strikers can contribute to goals, but everyone can. Mm. Yeah, ten ten different goal scorers in the first six games is. Uh, is I mean, you'd be pretty happy with ten different goal scorers across the whole season. So to see it being shared out so well, um, yeah, early sure. doors is great. And a big question as well: we've seen two goals direct from corners so far after six games. Tell me that you guys are practicing that on the training ground. <laughs> um, no, we always sort of joke that. It's, also, we have got like three, four different corners that we, we sort of rotate through. And we always joke that that's our corner number five <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, but no, um, we, we practice set pieces, but I wouldn't say we practice putting them straight in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's natural. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, do it. Don't practice. even worry about it. No, no, no I'm joking. Um, no, it's, it's great to see that we are we still have that threat from set pieces, whether it be free kicks, corners, penalties. I know we scored a lot of um, set pieces this year. And it's yeah, it, it definitely puts... A lot of pressure on opposition um, when we're so fret- fretting um, from set pieces. So it's good to see. And then finally, just having a check at the table here as well. Um, Dartford sitting comfortably on top, uh, six wins from six, 18 points. We're sitting nicely in second, though, 13 points from our six games with Ebbsfleet not far behind, uh, 12 points from their five games, and Sutton 10 points from their six games. Uh, there's obviously um, Dartford getting off to a really great start so far this season. 
Um, we played them a few weeks ago and unfortunately went down 2-1. But having played them and, um, you know, seeing the form that you guys are currently on, do you feel like you can chase them down? Yeah, definitely. Like we said, it's, it's always a long season. Like, there's so long to go. There's cup games, there's midweek games. Like, there's all sorts of games that are easy to drop points. So we know that as long as we can keep putting on the pressure and they don't completely run away with it, we know that we're in, within touching distance. Like I said, we still have to play them again. Um, we've only lost one. So if we play them and beat them, then we're in touching distance. And I think just the season being so long that anyone can drop points anywhere. And I think that's what's so great about this league is that anyone can take points off anyone. So as long as we keep putting on the pressure, then hopefully we can catch them. How, how many games um, are there in the season, Matteo? Um, so there's 22 in the league and then however many cups. I think there's like local cups, county cups. So we're all, I think we're all in different counties as well. So I don't think we all play the same number of games. People who go through the cup, a longer cup run than other teams play more games as well. So I think it all adds up to, well, everyone wants to do the best in the league rather than cups, but I think everyone also wants to cup, win a cup. So everyone, the, the fact that everyone plays different amount of games, I think it definitely uh, plays into this. Hmm. And speaking of um, the Cups as well, obviously this coming Sunday, uh, your first Cup game of the season, playing against Stenning Town um, at, at home as well. Uh, they're obviously a, a division below. Uh, are we expecting a bit of rotation for that Cup game or do you think we're going to take the, the Cup seriously and try and string together a bit of a run this year? Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to win the FA Cup. <laughs> everyone wants a good long run in the FA Cup as well. It's like one of the cups where you get to play different teams that we wouldn't usually, like I said, in the league in the league cup, we've got County Cup and a couple of these teams are in the County Cup. So I think being able to play different teams is a really good experience for us. I wouldn't say we would do anything different to how we would if we were playing in the league. Um, everything just adds to us building and getting stronger every week. So I think we just go in thinking that we need to win this game as per usual and hopefully come out with the result. Nice. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, hopefully as we get some results in the cup as well, maybe there's the potential for some ties against some of the the, the bigger clubs as well as the rounds progress. And, um, yeah, it, it must be great as well when you come up against those bigger teams to sort of test yourself at that higher level and see, um, you know, just what it's like to to be playing at that very highest level especially. Yeah, exactly. I think last year we saw that um, when we played Watford, that was such a great experience to play such a good team. They then got promoted. So we we can draw comparisons and what we did well in the game, what they did better or what they do differently and sort of bring that into our own game. And I think it just like when you play these, these different teams, everyone plays so differently and the tempo they brought to the game, the way they switched the ball, I think we can definitely like draw comparisons and then see where how we get to their level, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's, a, it's such a good experience. Oh, good experience. Yeah, exactly. Every, everything's part of the experience. And as long as we can keep developing, then hopefully we can we can go on a longer cup run this year. Definitely. Um, so, look, Tia, it's been great having you on. I've, I'm wary that we've taken up pretty much your whole lunch break. Um, before we let you go, though, Sam and Dad, did you have any other questions you wanted to add? I know, Sam, you're a bit of a... Um, shirt number Nuffy. 
That's exactly what I was going to do. This is exactly what I was going to do. Sorry, Tia, you you got to understand about me. I I love I love a narrative. I love sentimentality. I love I love I love the minutia of stuff like that. So I'm deeply these guys don't care. Jack kind of cares. Dad really doesn't I do care. care a little bit. You do care a little bit, and I'll pay that. But Dad really doesn't care. But um, I um, uh, like I'm I'm fascinated by like um, listening very numbers, carefully. Play, shut up! I'm fascinated by um, player numbers. Um, your the reasoning behind them. Is it related to a hero? Is there a story there? Anything and everything that you want to tell us about um the reason why you picked your number? I'm deeply fascinated by. Yeah. So this year, I actually managed to get my number, which is number seven. Um, previously, the last two years, I was playing at number 14, uh, Fulham. I think I chose 14 because it's double seven. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I love the logic. I love hearing this stuff. Sorry, this is great. Um, yeah. yeah. So seven's always, like when I was younger, seven was always my number. I used to play left wing. So I think that's usually the, the number you get when you play left wing. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of carried that through, really. Like all my social media, I've got <laughs> Tina Foreman seven. Um, mm. So yeah, if if I was to pick, I, my number would always be seven. Um, mm. I think yeah, it's more of an attacking role <laughs> for than a left wing back position. But um, yeah. Ogie, who left last year, she had number seven. So when that number went up for grabs, I sort of knew I'd want to put my myself forward for the number. Um, I think when I was younger, well, looking at Chelsea as well, when it was Ramirez playing as number seven, I think a lot of people used to compare me to him. So. Again, having that comparison to someone who has the number seven shirt, then mm. it's it's always nice. So yeah, I'd always want to be number seven. But if it's not available, any anything that links to number seven works. And sorry, sorry, just just as well. And I will I will let Dad have a question. But um, <laughs> uh, like uh, go away. Um, so like, does that like boost your confidence as well when, cause seven's an important number. It really, it really is. And so like, does that, um, like give you a lot more like confidence going forward? Because it just clearly means that the club has so much faith in you, um, to give you that. Cause it's, it's very prestigious. And do, do you, do you feel that energy? Or... Yeah. I feel like it's also pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, of course. I've got, um, orange boots as well so orange boots and the number seven shirt just Strong it's, attention. it's a lot to live up to so <laughs> a lot to live up to but no I don't I mean I, I don't feel like there's too much to like live up to or there's no there's not a certain pressure of it but I think it's always like as an individual in the back of my mind I know I've got number seven I know I've got orange boots so I've got a got to put performances but hopefully they'll come Got to do a couple of step overs per game when you have the seven <laughs> and orange boots, hey? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do love a nutbeg, so I try and get them in as much as possible. Yeah. But, yeah. Dad? Go on, Dad. Did you have a question there as well? Yeah, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, what can we do for the team? Like, what's a simple, quick thing that we could do for your group? that helps bring awareness or in any way helps you um, in, in, in your mission and what you're trying to achieve? That's a good question. Um, I wouldn't say it's do anything differently. I think everything that you're doing so far in terms of providing us with a platform, like we've been working hard, like, like we said before, to achieve this sort of collaboration with this podcast. And I think that's amazing. Um, and just, I think, 
for anyone who wanted to give us a platform, I think just interacting on social media, whether that be like sharing match results, keeping up to date with the live tweets, um, sharing the score. I think just that social media interaction can really boost um, like collaboration and interaction with anyone, whether that be fans, whether that be other people like yourselves who want to collaborate. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great opportunity for us as well. So, I mean, our, our that that's great. Our, our mission is simple. We there are a lot of people who follow Fulham, and our our mission is just to tell everyone about you and um, make them aware of what's happening and to get behind you all and help you climb through those uh, divisions and, you know, end up where you deserve to be. So that's that's our plan. That's what we want to do. Yeah, and I just adding on that, I do want to say thank you, like I said before, just to help us provide and give us a platform to discuss the results, discuss our matches. Like I said, there's not a lot of content out there about us and you only really get to watch the highlights. So, yeah, thank you for giving us the opportunity and investing in this with an interest. Well, we're, we're excited to, to do it and be a part of it, really am. Yeah, and a big thank you again for, like I said at the start, for all your help in assisting, um, talking to the club and, and just not as much putting pressure on, but pretty much putting pressure on them to, to get back to us and, and help us get this access to you guys so that we can give you a platform and, and hopefully um, spread the message to, to every Fulham fan. Because like I said before, there's close to a million followers on, on our social media across um, the, the Instagram page, the Twitter page. Um, Fulham has a, a huge following worldwide and, um, I think just shining a light on the women's team and especially with, with everything that's happening this season where you guys are just on absolute fire. And I think it's a really good time to to be shining a light on you guys because it does feel like there's a bit of momentum now, especially off the back of the World Cup. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to be here in Australia and um, to have lived through that sort of mental couple of weeks where the World Cup was just the biggest thing in the country and it's all that anyone was talking about um and to have that matilda's lioness's final of semi-final rather which was the most watched sporting event in australian history i think only behind the sydney olympics which is just crazy to think about but um just so so good to see that that's the way the world is moving at the moment and women's football is becoming mainstream and i think that's what we're trying to do here as well is is make it more mainstream and and give you guys that platform going forward yeah no that sounds great and like i said the the world cup has definitely accelerated that growth and interest in the women's sport and and the women's game so as long as we can just keep riding off the back of the success of the lionesses um hopefully everything moving forward can just be done a lot a lot more efficiently um whether that be clubs investing in their women's teams a lot more for through all levels really like grassroots teams as well um facilities and everything in between so hopefully we can just keep evolving the game yeah absolutely um so look to again thank you so much for joining us like i said it's give you five minutes now to finish off your lunch before you have to go back to work so um we really do appreciate you taking the time out to to have a chat with us um I know it must be a pretty busy day for you but um it's been great having you on the podcast and we hope to have you again on soon yeah, no worries. And thanks so much. Hopefully we can collaborate again soon. Definitely.
Thanks, Tia. Thanks, Tia. We'll see you later. Um, So we're going to continue talking here and we're going to jump into the uh, game against Crystal Palace on the weekend. So um, it's a bit of a change up after talking about the women's team who are on scintillating form at the moment. Not to say the men's team aren't in great form, but the result on the weekend, um, I think we sort of saw it coming, this nil-nil draw. Sammy, I know you talked about Mm -hmm. it a fair bit before the game saying, you know, looking at the league table, this is two teams with very similar records so far this season. In terms of teams, Fulham and Crystal Palace have both played so far this season as well. It it looks very on par. And so it's not overly surprising to see this one finish nil-nil. Yeah, I I mean, I uh, the parallels as well. I completely forgot that um Zaha left, so the main strike force was gone as well. So there's even there's there was even more parallels. Um yeah, I it I feel that this result could have been very well predicted. I was very optimistic. I wanted um 2-1 more than I actually thought it was potentially going to be 2-1. I actually probably thought it was probably going to be closer to like 1-0. Um, oh, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll properly go into it, but we, we, we need to, we need to sort out our attacking options, don't we? That's, that's my biggest takeaway. There's cause there was, there was some great chances that got made. There was a lot of stuff, um, being done. That was really, really positive End result though. Yeah, dad, I, I guess we can jump straight into it. We, I mean, it is a nil, nil draw. We did have a lot of chances. If I pull up the match stats from the game. Um, we can actually see Fulham had 10 shots on goal, five on target. Uh, do you think we were we were sort of wasteful at all? Or, um, I mean, Sam Johnston in goal for Crystal Palace did make quite a few decent saves, admittedly saves that he should be making in the first place. But it's not like we didn't actually have some good attempts on goal, but we just seem to be lacking that real cutting edge at the moment where we do just put teams away and, and score those goals. And unfortunately, to, to hark back to it again, last season we had a player up front who would score one of those and we come away with a 1-0 win. Sure. And look, I I said last week that I'd be I'd be happy with a you know a, a grubby, unimpressive, unexciting mm. uh, three points. Um I suppose I'm I'm happy with a point on the road. Uh, I wouldn't call it grubby, but it wasn't exciting. It was just a difficult game. But to answer your question, the the it's always difficult when their keeper has a blinder, and he had a good game. Well, maybe not a blinder, but he had a good game. And mm-hmm. um, you know that on any other day, that first shot from him and as from the angle he had to shoot at, it could easily have gone in. Could easily have been a goal. Um, you know, he probably just half a yard to one side of the keeper at that pace gets through. Um, and maybe we weren't clinical enough, but it, it, it wasn't like we had the week before we had loads of possession and didn't do anything with it. At least we were creating some chances. So it's, it's getting better. We're moving from aimless possession, if that's not too harsh, to possession that actually results in chances and we're just not con- converting those chances at the moment um yeah look um i i, I guess it's in hindsight it's pretty fairly predictable that you're not going to break down a roy hodgson team 
easily. And, and I think back to Sam's point, it, I think it ended up being a very, very good litmus test for kind of where both these sides are. Um, uh, I, I think if, if we in a month's time, we're probably going to look back and be reasonably okay that we got a point. It would have been frustrating to have had all those things still to work on and then lost it, you know, with five minutes to go. Um, so clean sheet, positive. Um, but, yeah, obviously goal-scoring capabilities at the moment are somewhat of a concern. Here's, 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 here's my piece. Here's my piece. Um, I... I did, and this isn't pitchforks out because I like the guy. You, everyone knows where I'm going with this. And I um, I genuinely understand. I understand that strikers need to feel loved. They need to feel supported. They need to feel backed by their manager. They need to be uh, allowed to feel confident and fully supported. But the thing is, we already kind of have one in Vinicius who is loved and supported and clearly... Um, appreciated in the team and uh, we should have started him we really should have started him and he came on way too late and the the do you know i i can forgive i can forgive the direct um uh attempts in uh pretty early on in the game that uh jimenez messed up i don't want to say messed up that's unfair but um the when uh bobby um, threw it for him, and then he um, uh, pulled it to Andreas, who didn't know what was going on, um, because in Andreas's brain and in my brain too, Jimenez should be taking that shot with full confidence. That's a major red flag for me. That's a major red flag. I don't know. Maybe you, guys you say that. I, I I've seen that move and that sort of sequence broken down, and the ball across to Jimenez is not a good one. Um, he's left with a very, very tight angle and he does really well to actually get a, sh I think he's going for a cross because I think there's yeah, just think no option to take a shot there because there, there's zero angle to have an attempt at goal. And, you know, maybe he's actually thinking and he's, he's actually thinking quite clearly and going, I'm not going to score here. So I'm going to try and square the ball and, and make something of it rather than putting the ball over the bar or hitting it straight at the keeper. And, He's actually thinking more about a team than himself and trying to break his duck there. Um, I, I actually think, in general, it was one of his better games for the club. I think, um, so too. I think he put off some put, put some good shots in on goal. Um, he, he looked fairly confident and fairly comfortable. But you know, like you say, we're just chasing goals at the moment, and he's not scoring them. So there there is a conversation that needs to be had at some point. Um, he's now gone 18 months without a goal in the Premier League yeah. and Vinny's coming off the bench and, and looking, I mean, he didn't have much time to make an impact, but when, when he has come on, he's, he's looked as good, if not slightly better in time. So I think we, we're approaching that time where we do need to make the change. Mm. I don't know what it's you going know, to take for as well. I, I felt really uncomfortable when that happened, when that, that ball didn't go in the back of the net when we actually worked ourselves into position three on two and in on any other day, we should have found the back of the net, but you're right, Jack. I, I do think you're right in that it, 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 
actually sent him further wide than was preferable. And the keeper did well and closed down down the angle. And on any other day, if he wasn't so desperate for a goal, you might have forgiven that and actually thought, yep, made a good decision there in a split second to play the mm. ball across. And and Pereira kind of should have been wise to it as soon as he saw that ball was not in the perfect position, could have made two extra yards at full pace and arrived because he he looked like he didn't follow through because I guess he just wasn't anticipating it, which some mm. might say put the blame on Jimenez because Pereira and the whole world thinking, what's the matter? Why didn't you put your foot through it, right? But it it's it's a reasonable and plausible sort of explanation to think that he, on, on balance, thought me putting my foot through this, and as Jack said, breaking my duck, is actually not the best outcome. And he puts it across Pereira's just not thinking the same way. And I, I don't want to, I think it's just a, a bit of an unfortunate um, set of circumstances where it just breaks down. And I, I don't want to dump too hard on him and his, in that particular instance. It's for me, for me though, like, cause I actually agree with everything that you guys have said, but I think it's just, I think it's like the path to hell is laid with good intention. And I feel that he kind of did do the right thing, but if you're him as even if there's no, even, even if it feels like you can't really do it, he's got to be taking absolutely every shot because bless him. I feel that even though that wasn't directly his fault that um, Pereira wasn't able to get there, he just looks so dejected at the end of it. And I felt that that was so detrimental to his confidence. And you could literally see well, it on his face. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I think you're actually projecting how you yes, might I feel. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You might feel if you hadn't scored for 27 months or whatever it was. But yeah. but I think one of the master strokes here is that Marco is grabbing him by the cheeks and pulling his face in and not kissing him like the the Spanish chairman might do at that point, but actually saying to him, I trust you. Relax, play your game. I trust you. Don't panic. Don't kind of overthink it. It will come. It will come. It will come. He's, I mean, he's he's doubling down here pretty big time when the whole world is going, what are you doing, Marco? But I, mm. I also get that he's not, kind of getting sucked into Vinny's I mean Vinny's very much about vibes and mm. Vinny is uh, his confidence is, <laughs> well his confidence is sky high um and he has scored what is it four out of the last six um but I'm not saying he's he's, he's been lucky and I love what he's done in the big games but if you actually really break it down, perhaps put the numbers and stats aside for a moment because they're easy to manipulate. Mm. But if on any given day, Raul is a better quality striker than Vinny and he's proven. His Absolutely. form is terrible. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a manager, because the, the biggest thing right now for Raul or a player like him would be that the stands bearing down on him and baying for him to be pulled and dragged and the media onto him. And, and Silva's actually handling it really well. He's saying, I know you want to talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about Rahul's 
lack of goals. We're not going there. I know it's the obvious thing. I'm backing the guy. It's going to come. And, mm. it, you know, that's what he's saying publicly. Imagine what he's saying privately and in amongst the group. And he's probably saying, look, I'm going to say it publicly, Vinny, you're not my first choice. Nothing against you. Mm. Keep trying. Keep being competitive. But, Raul, you're my man. You're going to score. I believe you completely. And that's how we're going to work it. And I, mm. and I actually commend that. And so Rahul's probably got slightly less pressure than we think he has. It's not, it's not infinite. Yeah. But. I think you're actually 100% right. But at what point does it become stubbornness and reluctance to change as opposed that's to what's Marco's actually... way. It's yeah, very Marco. Yeah, it's true. It's very it's Marco. Jack, tactical sense layered on us. I know I know you're cooking yeah, something. Well, uh, to be honest, uh, not really. I, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure where this goes. I like, like there's... <laughs> Potentially into a it's, corner, it's, Jack. Well, no, it's it's a bit of a fork in the road. That's the problem. Is um, you you have to just make a call now, and you either stick with Jimenez and then basically stick with him until he becomes uh, an elite goal scorer, or you make the switch now to Vinny and go right. We've given Jimenez a crack, but then what if Vinny doesn't score goals? Because you know we know he's a good striker, but we don't. There's no guarantee that he's going to start putting them away for fun either. So mm. I, I get Marco's probably, I, I wouldn't say Marco is ever actually torn inside about anything, but I, I reckon he'd be sat there thinking and going, right, how do I play this? And and do I just keep the faith? And I think everything he said in the media is, is saying that he will keep the faith because it seems like he's, he's sort of had a chat with Raul and probably a chat with Vinny as well and said, I'm backing you. You're doing the right things. And he is doing the right things. It's not like we're, we're not creating chances. He's just not managing to put the ball away. And I think in in previous games, it's been that he's not doing the right things in certain situations, um, such as, you know, okay, when he went for that weird Rabona flick um, to the back post or having shots where he, he just shouldn't be having shots or, or trying things he shouldn't be trying. This was the first time I've seen him actually play and, that ball that came over the top, I can't remember who passed it to him. It could have been Willian mm. or Pereira put it over the top. He took it down with a beautiful mm. first touch. And if yeah. you watch the slow-mo, it's it's like textbook. The first yeah, touch gorgeous. is there. He gets his he opens his stride perfectly and and snaps off a really powerful shot. Unfortunately, the keeper was just equal to it and and makes a good save. But on another day, that's a goal and he's broken his duck. And I think this we, we've talked about it before. There's a there's an element of luck here where that one squirts through the keeper. There was another one the keeper saved, and he didn't really know where it went. He hit it. I think it might have been that chance actually. He hit it across the keeper, and the keeper saves it, and it sort of deflects off his leg and loops up just wide of the post. If that goes in, all of a sudden, we're talking about a very different situation about a striker who's finally got that duck off his back and may then kick on. It, mm. It's a fascinating, fascinating little project, and mm. it, it actually it actually tells you quite a lot about Silver as well. They paid five point five million pounds for a guy who used to be something, and then and then he backs him, backs him, backs him with a massive drought, and and basically says, "I know I only paid five point five million for you, but I reckon you're something, and I'm backing you." to come back and be something again and I'm sticking mm. to it and you're going to be my man. 
this is a massive opportunity for me, sorry, for, for you, and I think you can do it. I mean, it's pretty risky stuff, right? <clears throat> but it's it also, if yeah. it comes off, he's going to be, he's going to be lauded as a hero for it. If, if we get 10, 15 goals out of Jimenez for the rest of the season, that's going to be an incredible success story for five and a half million pounds. Yeah, look, look, contrary as well to everything that I've been saying, because I because it was very similar with Vinicius when um, he first got in the squad, and um, his goal against Chelsea, I genuinely believe, was everything because that just cemented him as a cult hero, and that just cemented him as just intense love, intense admiration. I mean, we've got Chelsea coming up. It's a great example of like if Jimenez can pull something off in that game. That truly could be enough, and then we could see cool. a completely new player. But the thing is, I just don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> That's the thing. And yeah, like we really are. Th- this is this is truly gambling. What we're doing right now, um, or I should say, what Silver's doing right now, and um, a fractionally got a lot of choice, concerned. Though, has yeah, has I know. I get that. I get that. I if get that. if we like, manage to side with Marquis Striker, he'd be in a different situation. So this is what he's got mm-hmm. at his disposal. He's got these three guys. Who's mm-hmm. he going to back? You know, I just don't know how much longer you you do back him. I think yeah. we're, we're six games into the season now. Um, he hasn't scored a goal, and he's been the main striker for all six games. Um, and but Norwich, you know, we... Norwich is a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for him to hopefully have slightly weaker opposition um and, and maybe yeah but it's not up. it's not a league goal either like he's he scored yeah. three on matter. the international break but he he still can't score in the premier league so but it is, that would be that would be goal, in the back of his mind it's a goal with that unit jack and it's a goal that proves that things but he are scored working. in preseason as well um twice didn't yeah. he in preseason like yeah, it's no, not he, like he's not putting uh, the ball in the back of the net I, I think that would be huge if he scored against Norwich. I really do. I'm not sure if it would be huge, I, but I, I there is there is clearly a bit of a mental block going on there. And you know what? Completely warranted. We all know the backstory. We all we've all done the thing like a thousand times. We all get it. But um, uh, and I love the narrative. I want it. I want it to be a thing. But it's like, and you know, we've only paid five million for him. I know that's still crazy. But like um, we've only, in in the grand scheme of things, we I feel that if we did um, uh, shelf him or at least um, put him on like the bench, I don't necessarily think it's a major because he was never brought into. He's not the marquee signing. He's just essentially the the guy that we have now. I know that's terrible to say about a person, but that is the reality of it because. They or we should be shopping around right now for a striker for the next transfer window. That should be our intentions. That should be what we're doing. So I don't see it as um, uh, the massive uh, faux pas if we did um, go for Vinicius over him. But that decision really has to be made. And the longer that um, uh, Silva holds off on that, the more that I just potentially worry because the longer he doesn't score goals, the worse his confidence gets, the worse pretty much the team gets as a result of that. It's a real slippery slope and we're not in a position to be gambling like this. But don't you think with Vinicius, we are kind of hoping and praying and wishing that his exuberance and his confidence at the moment carries him through and results in a goal? 
I, I know all that stuff's important, but you do have to have quality and skill in the end to increase your likelihood of actually getting the ball in the net. I agree with that. But what's quality and skill without um, belief and certainty? Because you can have all the prowess in the world, but if you don't believe that you're going to score every time that you score, I would almost rather have somebody who believes that they're going to score, whether it's warranted or not. Because like, I, th- I think um, given the two, I think the one who has like the unearned confidence wins, in my opinion. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think confidence is one thing, and you need confidence as a striker. But you can't. You don't want unerring confidence because that's when strikers start shooting. We saw it in um, Anthony Knockart was one who had unerring confidence, would cut in from the left and constantly put it on the balcony <laughs> of the cottage. Um, I, I'm not sure I want unerring confidence in a striker. I want someone who is just in the right mindset, and that's actually just focus and I, I i don't think i don't think they're doing anything wrong at the moment um it's just not falling into place yet and you know, he's a new striker joining a new club there's not many players who come in as strikers and and just hit the ground running so we have to remember that as well and and i think that's part of why we have this conversation um about jimenez or vinny and and what we should do because we Did we lose Jack? Jack, you're on mute. You're on mute. Um. So, um, Dad, why are you on mute as well? Why did everyone go on mute for a second? Um, I'm not. I'm Jimenez. no longer on mute. Okay, thank you. Why did you just let me yeah. flail there? <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute, but I'm back now. Uh, Jack, are you with us? Nope, you're still not with us. That's okay. Jimenez, Dad, um, tell me your thoughts. Or your star sign, where are you at? uh, Yeah, I did. Look, I think, I I don't know that there's much more to say other than I think there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of bad luck in all of this, but um, it's just a matter of how long the rope is and whether Silver's going to blink before Jimenez comes through. Mm. Well, Jack's Jack's pulled up Sam. Absolutely shocking in a crisis. (laughs) Oh mate, mate! I've covered for you. I've covered for you. I've covered for you when you've gone down multiple, multiple times. I, I will be forgiven for this. Um, let's have a quick look at the table. Um, uh, before we do though, it's worth mentioning we, we're talking about the result. Um, and and how it's maybe slightly disappointing, but um, Fulham now have three clean sheets so far this season. Uh, it is the Premier Premier League's best so far. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk about XG. If you have a look at the, the statistics, Fulham have the most XG against, meaning the, there's the most likelihood of us conceding goals, and yet we have the best clean sheet record. I put that in part down to uh, Burton Leno having a, another really good season. I also put it in part down to XG just not being a very good statistic that doesn't actually tell the whole story. Um, but it, it is interesting. No, I, I've I've never been a fan, to be honest. I, I've I, I like the stat. I think it's it tells a bit of a story. I, I think realistically, though, it tells more of a story in terms of your attacking output than your defending output. I think um, if I look at our xG of the chances we actually created, I think that's quite an interesting statistic sometimes. But in terms of the chances against us, I don't think 
it it tells a full story. Um, it, it sort of makes sense, but sort of doesn't at the same time. But um, it defensively, I mean, I, I have to say, uh, again, it, it was an interesting one that we saw Kenny Tete picked up a bit of an injury, so was unavailable, and we saw Castagna come in and do another really good job yeah, um, defensively. Um, but the the unit is doing really really well this season, so. Um, uh, just hats off to Fulham for actually um, sort of put, putting the naysayers in their place. We, we're meant to be this terrible defensive team, but we're actually performing really well defensively. If you take out those goals against Man City from six games, uh, well, call it five games, we've got two wins, two draws and a loss uh, and a goal difference of minus one. It's It's a pretty good start, really, when you consider it. Especially as yeah. one of those games was a three 0 battering from Brentford as well, so um, it, it's it's a good sign, I think, and, and add to that the fact that you've got Castagna as a backup for both left back and right back, and we got Bassi and Tosin both sitting on the bench as well, and we're keeping all these clean sheets. It's a really good position that we're in. Mm. And from a goal difference perspective, it's hard to believe we're going to be the only team that City put five past. I don't believe it. Yeah, well, if you look down the bottom of that table, they're Luton minus eight, Burnley minus nine, Sheffield United minus 12, Bournemouth and Wolves minus six, Everton minus five. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of goals this season. There's some leaky defences and some very ruthless attacking teams. So um, looking at the table, though, Fulham currently sitting in 11th place. We did unfortunately slide out of the top 10 over the weekend, but um, we're definitely not out of touch. We, We have eight points currently. Uh, level with Crystal Palace, although behind on goal difference. Um, Man United and Newcastle in eighth and ninth both have nine points, only just one uh, point ahead of us. West Ham in seventh have 10 points. So we're still in touching distance of that upper half of the table. Um, I think the big thing here is if we look down the table, I'm starting to feel very confident of survival early days. I know that's such a massive call with 32 games left in the season. Why would you say that? It's such a jinx. There just seems such a massive gap between the rest of the Premier League and those promoted relegated now. (laughs) And I do I I, I do agree with that. I agree with that. I don't see Luton, Burnley or Sheffield United. I see them struggling, all of them struggling to get 20 points this season. I don't Mm. see where they get points from. Sheffield United Mm. got Battered eight nil, and that Newcastle team is good, but it's not an eight nil good. Um, Luton, you know, we saw what they do against teams. How do you how do you pick up wins when you play the way they play? And, and Burnley, who were lauded as this amazing championship team, basically made no signings apart from signed a few youth players, and it, it's come back to bite them in the ass. And they've picked up one point from five games so far with a goal difference of minus nine. I just feel like there's this gulf at the moment. And uh, how do you see Luton picking up the seven points that are already behind us? No, I think I, I do yeah. think you're right. And also with like Everton and Wolves and, as well, we could we could be very lucky with a compacted bottom uh, half mm. of the table. Because if it's compacted at the bottom, all we need to do is essentially draw um, and we yeah. should be all right. If it literally just stays the way it is right now. And realistically, it does have every likelihood that it probably will 
Um, I mean, e- even looking at teams like Chelsea as well, Chelsea won't stay there, but like they ain't going to fix any of their problems anytime soon. They can't spend another billion dollars and fix everything that's going on. Um, and Nottingham Forest will probably drop, but again, I can't see them getting anywhere near like the top half. So look, we could be lucky, but um, at the same time, oh, like we like i i'm i'm really wary of essentially going for like a string of draws um like uh, like grounding out like results because i i i would it, then it just it starts getting stressful um oh, but, but, it, it comes but Scott Parker season but that's never going to be the ambition of this of team ever yeah. if, if if that's what ends up happening until we you know start actually getting our act together i'm okay with it I, I don't want this to be our season but if we have you know we pick up a point a game average a point a game for the next two or three four games it's not great but it's not the end of the world mm. it's just i, just I think that's think the thing we, we've we've been talking about how we you just need to stay ahead of the curve effectively and um, I know Cottage Analytica puts up the post constantly of uh, actually it's actually not Cottage Analytica, sorry. He does do one post, but it's the other fourteen on Twitter. They put out a, a relegation tracker effectively to see how you're tracking towards forty points and if you're ahead or behind. And there's already a lot of teams falling a long way behind that tracker. Um, and uh, you know, Steve Reynolds on on the live saying, "I've given us the kiss of death already," but. I just feel confident that I, I'm not saying we're going to be a huge top half side and I don't think it's going to be as successful a season as last season, but I just, I just don't feel too worried about relegation at the moment. I think we're playing well. I think um, if, if we hadn't lost Mitro, I think we've actually reinforced the squad really well so far this year. I think yeah. um, looking at the depth that we have across the team now, it, it actually looks a lot brighter going forwards. Um, and uh, all it takes is is maybe one really good signing in January. I don't think it's going to come because I don't think January is a great time to sign key players, and it's never really worked for us that well either. But we we do feel like we're just one top class striker away from being a really good side. Because imagine if you had someone who puts those chances away against um, against Palace, um, maybe makes that Luton game a little bit easier for us as well. Um, I think I think we're looking looking really good at the moment. Um, question, Jack. and question, Jack. yeah, go on. Uh, what like how what would you want to say recall a Stansfield uh, to maybe get in this? Because no. like, are you sure? Yeah, I I love Jay Stansfield and I love all the guys who are out on loan. I think we've got some really class players out on loan, but. If you if you want to take it seriously and push on this year, uh, I think you have to sign like a top class striker, no. um, as in as in drop fifty mil on someone. Mm. Uh, realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's it's possible that the Khans and Silver probably look at this season and go, we're we're already fairly safe and and there's already space between us and the relegation pack. Why spend the money when you can, you know, we're probably not pushing for Europe either. I think if you look at the top half of the table and see teams like Brighton and Villa who've come on leaps and bounds, add Newcastle to that, there's almost like a top nine clubs at the moment. 
and you mm. almost want to sit just outside of that in the 10, 11, 12, 13th spot. Um, I, I just feel like this is this is probably going to be a building year for us. I don't see us making huge strides forward. I see us um, making sure that we don't take big strides backwards more than anything um, mm. and, and maybe building a platform for a future manager if Silver decides not to sign a new contract. And I know that's been one of the big conversations as well is, um, you know, would the Khans potentially withhold investment with Silver having not signed a new contract? Do they want Silver to make decisions signing new players um, and then those new players come in under a coach who may not want them in the future? So there's there's a there's a few considerations there to to think about, um, but I, I don't see us really spending much more money this season. I think come January, uh, we'll probably hopefully have eighteen to twenty points on the board and um, maybe look at it and go, we, we're pretty good at the moment. I don't think we need to strengthen too much more to keep ourselves in the Premier League. Yeah, I think we we're at risk of reverse engineering the reality that was dealt to us by such a shitty transfer window, you know, yeah, like yeah, that, of course. That, that, what everything you said could have been said sort of at the end of the transfer window when we didn't buy the players <laughs> we should have. Um, and, and all we're doing is fulfilling that um, lack of ambition now, but look, um, I guess now that we're over the frustration of all of that, if, if we end up mid-table and we're not in a relegation fight and we keep silver, we're pretty happy, aren't we? Yeah. I, I feel like, so. <clears throat> Look, last last season was euphoria. I think this season is literally just going to be turbulent um, because I think we're literally... So, I mean, it's so weird to say that so early on, but it does feel like we are essentially just kind of biding our time until we can get that new striker. So... Oh man, I'm stressed for this season. I really am. the 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 euphoria of newcomer Polina has fully worn off, and now 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 I feel like I'm in the trenches. This is now I'm really in the Premier League. You know, like it's I, I feel like I feel like we're in it now, and it's it's uh, it's horrible, and I love it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange you feel that way because I I feel zero stress now. I I just feel like we're um. It's. I wouldn't say it's going to be a turbulent season. I think it's going to be one of those seasons where you look back on it in years, you know, in five, six years' time, and go, "Oh yeah, that season where we finished fourteenth and you mean we didn't set a wins record. Yeah, yeah, we didn't set a clean sheets record. We had a negative um, goal difference, but we say we were safe with four games to go and um, everyone thumbs up, but nothing much more than that, unfortunately. Mm, I th- well, I think that's a very generous way of actually reviewing the past because actually there was a moment, let's not get into it again, but there was a moment where with investment and a fully primed manager and a squad exuberant, we could have really pushed on and we didn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm also looking back a little bit and, and saying I'm maybe we were... I'm spitefully not going to forget that. Yeah, I haven't no, no, I'm, I'm looking back in, doll. Like I've still got and that. saying maybe we were fractionally um, emotional at the end of the transfer window, and you know, thinking, "Geez, we lost Mitro. That's crazy." But actually, looking back on it and and seeing how the squad has developed since the end of the transfer window, and seeing how 
the players we did sign have fit in. You know, I wasn't sure about Castagne. We was I remember Sam especially going, oh, we signed a bloke from Leicester. That's scraping the mm-hmm. bottom of the barrel. And he looks like a superb signing so far. Um, yes. and, and that was the emotion of it all at the, at the end of a pretty brutal transfer window for Fulham. Uh, but now I think we can take a bit of a step back and look at it and go, geez, it's, it's actually not all doom and gloom this season. Um, we, but like you said as well, Dad, if we'd taken a slightly different path, it could have been a really, really exciting season. And that's not that's replacing Mitro with, you know, someone of a much much higher caliber. But um, it's it's a bit of a shame. That's the way it goes. And um, I, I, I again, I think this season is is just going to ho hum past, and we're not going to see a huge amount of excitement. But at the end of it, I do feel like we're going to be a Premier League team again, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Mm, all um, that's partly cloudy. Yep. <laughs> So, guys, look, I think we can probably wrap it up there. It's been a long one, but it's been a great one. It's um, great at the start to have Tia join us to talk through um, the Fulham women's team and and give us a bit of background into her story as well. And um, a, a huge thank you again to Tia for joining us and thank you to Fulham for um, allowing us to, to have Tia on the podcast. And we hope that in the future we're going to have a few more players from the women's team um hopefully steve J, the coach as well will come on at some point and um we'll be able to keep covering the women uh, in the detail i think they deserve and um also keep doing what we do covering every aspect of fulham football club um we'll catch up again um on thursday i'm not sure if dad's going to be joining us unfortunately he's off on a uh, trip to melt somewhere far up north what? Yeah, I'm going. To, I'm uh, going to yeah, the far northwest of Western Australia into. Uh, uh, I'm going to Exmouth. A volcano, effectively. I am your child. No. How do I not know that you're going to a volcano? Well, I feel you like that's live like... in the same state. You don't I'd like to be state. told I'm... things. We I'm, have a family I'm... group chat. <laughs> <laughs> have you not seen and, the pictures well, of that everyone's been posting over the last few days? I have a day job, ready. guys. I have a very busy day job. I can't be constantly yeah. checking the family group chat. Yep. Mm, I'll believe it. Yep. Well, um, have a lovely trip, Dad. Thank you. I'm going So, Dad, uh, we, we'll, we'll be hoping that you get decent signal up there, firstly, to be able to watch the games, but also to be able to actually join us on the podcast and, and chat through everything as well. Well, the moment, the moment we actually jump off this i'm going to be disassembling this little baby and it's going in my bag hey <laughs> mum's gonna hate that sure she is but um <laughs> there'll be a little quiet beach and a little quiet glass of wine and no one will ever know yeah, and uh, <laughs> see how that goes yeah. um so yeah dad do enjoy your trip and um i do hope that we 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 do find you in some good good uh, mobile service while you're up there so that we can catch up and that you're able to watch the games as well. Um, yeah, if not, though, and if crossed. we don't hear from you for, for 10 days or however long it is, enjoy and we'll uh, see you when we get back. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do my best. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I have no idea what the signal is going to be like there. It's literally off grid. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see, see what happens. And, uh, Sammy, maybe check the group chat. I spoke to him up for an hour the other day on the phone. This did not come up once. We were, we were talking about Just, all kinds of things. You didn't tell me you were going on a holiday to a volcano. I feel like that's something I would like to know. 
Thanks for having me, Jack. <laughs> um, no, it's it sounds been, like uh, you need to start asking the right questions, Sam. If you didn't get onto what are you doing tomorrow, mate? The B side <laughs> to the That's So Craven podcast is literally just me and Dad just talking chaotic shit, like every now and then on like a Wednesday afternoon when I'm driving home from work. Uh, one day that'll be recorded. Uh, no, thank you very much for having me. Um, no, it's been really, really fun. It's been really fun and really, really good to like speak to Tia um and yeah really really enjoy the podcast oh I'm excited to I'm excited to do the Chelsea review I'm really excited for that gang for that um yeah look forward to next time yep there's some big ones coming up so um yeah like you said really looking forward to getting stuck into it and um thank you again to to everyone who's joined us on the live stream um we hope that everyone's enjoyed the podcast so far um, and enjoyed our um, in-depth look into the women's team and, and hope that we can continue to shine a light on the women's team and, and bring them to the forefront and more into the mainstream of the Fulham community. So as always, come on you whites.